Cheers, y'all. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program known uh, worldwide as Smoking and Toasting. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Welcome to show number 136. My name is Cruz. My uh, friendly co-host here is Ian Barry. Welcome to the show, Ian. Man, it's good to see you again. It's nice to see you, too. Absolutely good to see you. Uh, you know what we had not talked about in a while? What's I that? just want to give a quick shout-out. Yeah? Is that intro music. Yeah? Our theme song. Yeah? Thanks again to John Egan. And Paul oh, BB over oh, BB Gun those Studios. Guys. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> they did such a great job. Yes. They did such a I love job. hearing it. It's and so if, awesome. And I will say, if we have any other uh, musicians or you know songwriters, singers, anyone who's uh, watching the show, who's a fan of the show, um, if you were to want to put together your own intro for Smoking and Toasting, I mean, we'd love to have multiple intros, and we will promote your gigs and and. Uh, and try to help you uh, in any way we that can. That would be a blast. Yeah, it would it? be. It'd be fun. So please feel free to submit. We are, uh, we are uh, likely. You can send it to uh, smoking and toasting at gmail dot com. So, uh, all right, welcome to the show. It's number one hundred and thirty six. Today we will be giving you the smoking and toasting craft beer report twenty nineteen. Number of uh, articles have come out in the past several weeks, kind of uh, you know laying out the health of the craft beer industry. Plus, we want to talk about trends and things that we're seeing that are happening and. And, and just stuff that we think is real good. Real cool stuff. Real cool stuff. Yeah, so we're looking forward to uh, getting into that. We are also uh, brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Also by B&B Lemon across the street from the Washington Ave location uh, in Houston. Now, I just want to give a huge, huge shout out to B&B. Uh, and we will be broadcasting live there next week, by the way. Awesome. But uh, Ian and I couldn't wait for the live broadcast, and we showed up with our wives at B&B last weekend. And, <laughs> oh, my God, it was it was debauchery. It, re- it really was. I mean, the, uh, the, the amount of food, the quality of the food. Oh, and then, my goodness. And then Jeremiah um, had found out we were coming in. And so he brought uh, us some appetizers out, and there was- Outlandish. Uh, I mean, we talk about the bacon all the time, but people, I'm here to tell you, it's there's a reason we talk about it all the time. <laughs> that stuff is good. It's so good. It really is. So, I broke my diet hard that night. Yeah, big time. Big I actually, time. I, I don't think I've actually had a steak since, um, I don't know, January. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was amazing. And we were also, you and I were both drinking uh, the, was it- um, Eureka Heights? Oh, not Eureka Heights. That's that's a beer. Uh, what was the what was the whiskey that we're drinking? It was a select barrel that Jeremiah had bought and was something they had only for the, was it Angels Envy? It was the Angels Envy. Yeah. Angels Envy. Okay, and it was a, a barrel select, uh, a single barrel that uh, that um, that Jeremiah had bought the whole barrel. One of the problems with there. remembering what we were drinking is we how, how many drank of it. them we drank. Yeah, it was an Uber night. <laughs> was, yeah, thank. Also, shout out to Uber for that yes. evening because that was awesome <laughs> and much needed. Yeah, yes, much needed. Uh, but we had a great time. We were able to uh, uh, once it got late enough, we were able to smoke some cigars upstairs and uh, and enjoy the enjoy the time. And I, I I just have to tell you, if you're going out. To celebrate, that is a place to yes, go. That yes. is totally a place to go. B&B. It is. So, it is awesome. Yep, yeah, it absolutely. That is. steak I had was so good. Uh, it was so much steak I couldn't actually finish it. Like, oh yeah, I, I f- tried. I finished mine, but, but not until several days later. <laughs> 
I, I nibbled on that steak for several more days. You know, when you huge. take that steak home, by the way, all you need is some cheese and some mm. tortillas. Mm-hmm. And they make about the best quesadillas you will ever have. You know, that you're really giving away our Houston, Texas origin here by bringing up tortillas. Oh, and, and stuff. anybody out there who's yeah. not from Texas who doesn't know what a quesadilla is, that is a tortilla on them. It's basically a cheese and meat sandwich. Well, I think... I think quesadillas have become um, a little more ubiquitous. A, yeah, yeah, enough yeah. of a ubiquitous thing that people know. Yeah, uh, oh my now, gosh, boy! And, and just you just you just dice up the meat nice and small, and it's it's still medium rare. And then you put it in there with the cheese, and then you put a little bit of pico de gallo. Yeah, I see. I was just talking about the fact that we uh, here we immediately like, immediately by default go. I have some extra steak. What should I do with this? Ah, tortillas. Yes. You know, right? <laughs> oh, that, that's where we go immediately. Well, they're edible plates. Yes, they are. You know, they and, are little edible plates. And they're and they wonderful. Make, yeah, they're delicious. <laughs> I've got w- this bakery right by my house <laughs> that makes tortillas that uh, the first time I went in there, there were kids running over to the corner and grabbing something and gobbling it up. And I was like, what are they having over there? And the lady was giving out slices of their flour tortillas that uh, are that uh, good. Oh, yeah, it's you, if a place is making really, really good tortillas, mm. just tortillas with a tiny bit of butter, mm. that's all you need. It's that's so good. Oh, so good. It is. Uh, and not to gloat, by the way, but I have two two numbers for you, eight and seven, as in 87, as in that's the forecast high for tomorrow here in Houston. That's right. So I'm not gloating to any of you who are still still seeing snow on the ground, but uh, yes, I am. I'm gloating. I'm, I'm keeping my uh, fingers crossed for the <laughs> forecast because I will be riding the MS-150 on Saturday morning. Oh, I, th- I think it's going to be warm but beautiful. It's going to yeah. be warm but beautiful, and right now they're forecasting the wind going in the right direction. Oh, that's good. See, that's a good so thing. I want the wind at my back on yes, this one, no, not at my yeah, face. Not at your so, face. So, yeah, the first day is going to be 80 miles, 84 miles-ish. Why don't you uh, let people know how they can support you for the Oh, yeah. So you can uh, look me up on uh, the MS-150 website. You can put in my name, and it'll bring you right to it if you want to donate to the MS-150 fund. I have broken my $400. Nice. So that I will be able to uh, not have to pay out of my pocket to to, to do the ride, which is awesome, and um, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, the new potato hasn't uh, we haven't uh, counted up what I've gotten from the new potato and Bell's collaboration, where they mm-hmm. every Bell's you buy at the new potato. You can see I'm wearing the shirt today. Mm-hmm. Uh, every uh, Bell's uh, product you buy at the new potato, a dollar goes into my uh, MS150 yep. fund. So I'll be talking to uh, Paul about that mm-hmm. uh, in the next day or two, or in the next day has been the next day, uh, and then um, and then I get you know. At the at the crack of dawn on Saturday, I get up and I start riding. So you can find me on the Facebook. Uh, search my name on Facebook. Uh, look it up for MS150. You can donate on there, and I'll repost it again today just to make sure. And uh, you mentioned Paul. We have uh, a couple of friends of the show named Paul, although one of them is a relatively new friend, and uh, he's our buddy Paul from the Heights Cigar Lounge yes. in uh, the Heights of Houston. Um, Paul, uh, we caught up with Paul at our uh, at our little getaway to Honduras when we were at the JRE and Aladino uh, factory. And uh, we will ha- be uh, including that segment in today's show as a uh, as one of our smoking and toasting recommended shops, yes. the Heights Cigar Lounge. So uh, we look forward to that. That's coming up on the show. Uh, plus some amazing tasting. No Label uh, has a Hefeweizen that we have not tasted on this show. And it, I love the name. It's El Jefe. 
It's, that's the perfect. Oh, I've had that. That's oh, I'm sure you have, but I'm, we've we've that's never actually yeah, we've okay. never actually tasted it I, on I the won't, show. Yeah, I won't give yeah, it up. Yeah, so but it it is the greatest named hefeweizen ever. El Hefe. Yeah, El Hefe. <laughs> it's, there's it's no better. There's no better name for a hefeweizen. <laughs> uh, we'll also be uh, trying an IPA that looks interesting. It's from Toppling Goliath Brewing, which is uh, from Decorah, Iowa, and it is. Are you uh, ready for this name? It's called Fire Skulls and Money. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, which immediately I, makes me think of Lawyers, Guns, and Money, the uh, right, Warren Zevon right. song. But, uh, but yes, Fire and Skulls. Also, and also, I don't know if you can see the detail, but you are wearing a shirt that has I skulls. Have done, I have brought the appropriate shirt for uh, Fire Skulls and Money. In <laughs> it fact, has skulls and shark fins. There's and, actually some similarity to the can art, as you will see when we oh, break nice. that bad boy out. <laughs> uh, and finally, 5050 Brewing from Truckee, California, has an, an imperial stout called Eclipse that we'll be tasting on the show. Uh, so that I am looking forward to uh, in, in in a pretty big way. Uh, Ian also has brought in a whiskey for us to taste today, and it is the Corsair Citra Double IPA malt whiskey. And uh, but that's not the only thing you brought today. It is not, but that'll that'll be held out until. Oh, you're gonna hold that out? Yeah, okay, I'm gonna hold that out until uh, are we until gonna, it's time. We're we gonna break it out with the first beer. There will be a revealing. There will be a reveal. I always love when there's a reveal. <laughs> you know, uh, my wife does. Um, this thing where uh, she does the grocery shopping most of the time for uh, our little family, and uh, she will go uh, at the grocery store. She will always put together a six pack of the single beers for me. Oh, nice! And so she gets such a uh, a charge out of trying to find stuff that I haven't tried and uh, stuff. So she'll bring home the groceries. We'll be putting away the groceries. She'll be like, "Aren't you gonna look at the beers?" I'm like, "No, no, have to put the groceries away first. Then it's the big reveal." Yeah, yeah, it's nice. and it's always fun taking the cans and bottles out and going, "Oh." I haven't tried this, or I haven't had this in forever, or whatever. So it's awesome. Uh, yeah, so it's just it's fun with beer, uh, and that's that's a big part of what the show is all about today. Fun with beer. Uh, our craft beer report 2019 will be on the way. Also, um, if you are, were encouraged by the thawing of relations with Cuba over the past uh, several years, uh, be encouraged no more. The Trump administration is rolling back all of the uh, progress that was made there, um, and they are leveling new sanctions against Cuba, looking for regime change. So, um, you know, uh, not to delve into the politics of it too much, but as far as being able to travel to Cuba and being able to uh, get our hands on Cuban cigars, if that's something that interests you, uh, that's going to become more difficult. So that's why we're passing that info along. Uh, Plus... Um, I think we're going to start a new uh, a new uh, feature on the show today, uh, and today's feature is uh, the new feature is going to be called Douchebag of the Month. Oh, and and we have one. It's Representative Frank Pallone Jr. from New Jersey, and we'll tell you why he is winning that award for the month of April. <laughs> uh, so we're looking uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. So a lot of great stuff going on. The list of top fifty craft brewers has been released. We'll talk about that as a part of our uh, twenty nineteen craft brew uh, coverage. Uh, but as it's uh, smoking and toasting, and smoking comes first in the title. Before we get into the drinks, Ian, I thought I'd ask you if you had smoked anything interesting this week. I did. I went up to Casa de Monte Cristo earlier, which we enjoy, which we do enjoy, and I, uh, you know, did my usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I walked in, and they were excited. They're like, "Hey, we got new stuff." <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> they pegged. He you saw now. me coming. They He's like, "Okay, now. come check this out." <laughs> so I ended up uh, choosing for today the Romacraft Aquatine Sabertooth. 
Mm, I don't think I've had that. This is uh, a new size, which I uh, neglected to write down what it is. <laughs> well, what? Uh, how big? Is, uh, I mean, <laughs> approximately. Is it give, more like a Churchill? Or give a... me a second. I'll have that information. It okay. is a. It is a. It is a. One second. It's almost. <laughs> I'm almost there. Um. Oh, it's a robusto extra. Okay, there you and go. And it's a five by fifty-six. Okay, there you go. Sorry, so I nice, didn't put nice that over. Ring gauge. So here's what ended up happening. Usually, I have this stuff all in my notes, but then I mm-hmm. ended up chatting with a guy named Tony mm-hmm. up at the shop, and uh, and we just sat there and and laughed it up for a while. So I didn't do the tail end of my uh, you know review where I put all the those pertinent information. Okay. So that's why I didn't have that uh, right here. But he was he was an absolute joy, and that's one of the fun things about going to a shop. Well, yeah, the camaraderie and just yeah, with and other you just people. meet a guy that comes in, and you start chatting, and you know, I had a great time up there today. So this uh, Aquatine uh, saber tooth, uh, smooth appearance, firm, beautiful, beautiful construction, uh, Connecticut stripe mm-hmm. on a Habano wrapper. It looks awesome. It's just one of those cigars that looks so classy. Nice. Um, the pre-light sniff on this was a little barnyard, kind of hay bales, a little milk chocolate, a little cappuccino. The, I'm looking at that stripe, by the way, in the Yeah, photo. it's that's, gorgeous, that's isn't it? Really the, great. The uh, pre-light uh, draw on this, I used a punch. It was effortless draw, lightly peppery, a little hay, a little chocolate, uh, uh, like chocolate powder kind of uh, in the background. Uh, when I lit it up, uh, the initial light had a bit of white pepper uh, kind of flavor, a little pepperiness right there. Uh, that I wasn't expecting. Uh, as smooth as as the cigar smelled, mm-hmm. and and pre light draw it's had on it, I was it. expecting it to be you know a little smoother on the on the initial light, and so the initial light had um, kind of white pepper, a little fermented hay kind of uh, flavor to it, cappuccino spice with a little acidity to it that I thought nice. was interesting. It, it was it was a little bit of sharpness to it that not in a bad way, but mm-hmm. but it was definitely there. The uh, first third of this cigar immediately smoothed out. It went into cappuccino right up front, toast, a little, you know, that sweetness that cashews have, that nutty mm-hmm. sweetness. Mm-hmm. It had a bunch of that, a little bit of campfire, I thought. It still had that underlying milk chocolate, solid ash with a slightly uneven burn. Really? Slightly uneven. Mm-hmm. The second third I went into this, the toastiness kind of came up front. It moved the, uh, it moved the uh, cappuccino back a little bit. The toastiness came up front. It got a creaminess to it that I really liked like the nutty sweetness was still there uh it got even smoother overall throughout this uh this part of the burn the um underlying milk chocolate was still present um it tended to burn i was feeling because you know i have my hands on the cigar tended to burn a little hotter on one side of the cigar than the other i think sometimes those spiral wraps i I think those are harder to get an even burn on. I could be wrong, and I don't yeah. know if there's any like science to back up what I'm saying, but it just seems like it would be harder if you're rolling a cigar in a way to make that right. happen to get it to so be quite So you'll see. I, I took pictures of it. You'll see there's a little unevenness mm-hmm. to the burn, but yeah. it actually you know, tasted great. It didn't hinder any of the flavors. Well, and I don't really mind if a cigar doesn't right. burn in a straight so line I tended as long it. as you're- you I know, tended it. It Mostly evened up, okay. um, and that was pretty good. So the last third of this cigar really, really started getting more into the nuttier and cappuccino flavors mm-hmm. uh, up front. The toast was really nice. Uh, the creaminess was still there. I love how this cigar developed. It developed really nicely on the palate. It's a very complex cigar. It had a lot of things going on, but these were the predominant things I was thinking. Uh, I had attended a second time, but again, just a touch. And then by the by the middle of the last uh, third of the cigar, it evened out and burned 
right down to my fingers uh, really nicely, actually. Nice. So I'm not really going to count off any points on this cigar. For the burn. For yeah. the burn. In the fact that when I tended it, it was easy to tend. I, I didn't. It wasn't a constant like yeah, I have to mess nope, with this. I agree with you totally. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give that level. This cigar was, however, twenty dollars. Oh, okay. This was not a cheap cigar. This is mm -hmm. a super premium at twenty dollars. So I kind of my tendency was to be like I expect the burn to be perfect, um, but I will give this a solid five okay. on our scale, okay. and uh, because the the complexity of the cigar made up for any. Uh, any little annoyances going on. The draw was great. The flavors were great. I enjoyed it. I just had water with it. Right. And so I could really, really get into the flavor of the cigar. And uh, and I enjoyed it. I smoked it down until it burned my fingers. Um, definitely a five on the scale. You know, you got exactly what you paid for. You got mm -hmm. a $20 cigar. And the tending issues uh, weren't enough. I mean, it responded to tending it in, in a way that I didn't have an issue. Well, if you if anybody saw last week's show and the photos of the cigar that I was smoking <laughs> on last week's show, <laughs> that was... that's that's where construction becomes like, you know, okay, issue. this is a real issue. Yeah. If, if it just needs a little tending every once in a while, yeah. but you can still smoke it, still get the flavor out of it, and it isn't just, you know, falling all apart on you, uh, looking like one of those exploding cigars from the old cartoons, right. uh, then, then uh, you know, I, I'm fine with well, doing and, a little we are dealing with a handmade, hand-rolled, exactly. uh, exactly. organic mm -hmm. item. So there's there's only so much predictability you can have. And 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 sometimes like the little nuances like that, we can kind of celebrate them a little bit. Yep, that's as right. long as the cigar, like it drew. As long as it smokes beautiful. the way it's supposed it to smoke. Smoked and, yes, nice. Exactly. And a little tanning, I got no problems with it. Absolutely. Well, I had an interesting one this week, and as you will see from the uh, from the band on the cigar when the uh, photo comes up here, um, this cigar I knew very little about it, so I'll tell you what I know. It's called the Rounder. Uh, it's made by ACC American Cigar Company, and the Rounder. Uh, in this case, is a poker term. You may remember the Matt Damon movie, I yeah, think, yeah. called Rounders. Okay, so it's it's a poker term, and you uh, will see on the band there. There's the bulldog, I guess, dealing uh, dealing poker on the band. I guess uh, that's that's their poker reference. But there's very little information about the cigar on the band. In fact, I looked for info on the cigar on the internet and found virtually nothing, which really surprised me. Now maybe. This is just about to hit the market, and the reason I say that is because uh, our buddy Tom Poehler gave me this cigar, and so I have not, uh, uh, I have not had a chance to ask him, is this out yet? <laughs> so, so it could be something that you can look for. But in in any event, it was a nice looking, very dark Maduro cigar with a green ribbon around the foot, which you saw in that first picture there. Um, the pre light on this was very earthy, kind of like you want a Maduro to be. Mm -hmm. A little bit of chocolate note, some wood. Uh, I used a V cut. I lit it up. It took a moment. For the flavors to establish, which I thought was really interesting because in a lot of cases when you light up a cigar, you get that first like burst like pepper or yeah. whatever the spice is that, that you're going to get, maybe a little woodiness. This one is like, at first I really wasn't getting much of anything, but then as the, as the stick warmed up. Here came the flavors, and they were really, uh, really nice. A little earthiness started, a little bit of nuttiness, and some pepper. As I smoked this thing, there were notes of cocoa and a hint of vanilla. These are all flavors I really, really that like. Sounds so awesome. I was really enjoying uh, this cigar. Pepper picked up really in the last third. I, I didn't notice that much pepper until uh, the cigar was about a third of the way gone, but very much like you, I smoked it uh, almost down to uh, finger burner status. Uh, the burn on this uh, was really nice, a little bit crooked at times, which you'll see in some of the uh, some of the photos, but, but nothing that made me 
feel like this cigar wasn't living up to its, you know, to its potential. Mm-hmm. I, I, very much like what you said, a little bit of crooked is okay as long as it smokes right. Mm-hmm. If you have to tend it once or twice, that's not a bad thing as long as that tending doesn't bring harshness to the cigar uh, from having to relight. Uh, I do not know the price on this one uh, because it was a, a gift from uh, our buddy Tom. Uh, but if it's eight to nine dollars, which is probably you know a decent guess for a robusto that uh, looked as nice as this one, if it's eight to nine, I'd give it a five and a half. It it, it was just maybe maybe worth just a, a little, little bit more little, than little, tiny bit yeah, more. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it, which I felt very good about having a cigar to talk about this week that. I really, really enjoyed because <laughs> you've been, because, uh, you've been having been, some been exploding having some cigar yeah, issues. Yeah, and and now I've been smoking a lot of my like normal go tos: mm-hmm. the AJ Fernandez Oye de Monterey by AJ Fernandez and the Romeo by AJ mm-hmm. and the Nica Libre, uh, and, and having great, great cigars there. But those are all things that we've already talked about on previous shows. So I'm always kind of looking for here's something we haven't talked about. And you know, this is show number one thirty six, so we've. We've talked, We've talked about, about a lot about of stuff. Yeah, that's a lot of cigars, if you think about it. And we don't normally talk about the same cigar. So if you figure that's uh, what two hundred sixty something cigars. So that's two hundred. And there's cigars. still tons out there. And that there's I still tried. so much that that's we so haven't exciting. tried. Yeah. So speaking of cigars, we are going to recommend another shop today. Adding uh, another one to the list of smoking and toasting recommended shops. It is the Heights Cigar Lounge in the Heights in Houston, uh, on I believe Nineteenth Street, if I'm uh, if I'm not yes. mistaken. And uh, so we will uh, be airing that segment with Paul from Heights Cigar Lounge, which includes a very interesting story about how Paul. Paul snubbed me, uh, <laughs> and then and then eventually became our buddy. Anyway, if you're, if you're watching this on video, I want you to look at the look on Cruz's face when I start to tell that story. Oh yeah, yeah, just, because that was a complete surprise to him. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so we look forward to that. Plus, uh, this show today is all about the uh, state of the craft beer industry. It's the Craft Beer Report 2019. What's going on with craft? How healthy is it? Is it in decline? Is it still growing? And then in addition to that, what are the what are the trends? What's hot in craft beer right now? And in our next segment, uh, we'll taste one that Ian has let me know that he's tasted plenty of times, but that's okay. We haven't done it officially on the show, the El Jefe, Hefeweizen from uh, No Label in Katy, Texas. So all of that when we come back in segment number two. Uh, thank you for checking out our show, and uh, hello to our buddy uh, Chris Hart, who nobody cares about. Don't forget to like it and, and share it out. Yes, and we'll be right back. Smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, and we are so thrilled to have you here for show number 136. By the way, to any of my friends who are uh, you know, musicians who are working on recording your album, you're in the studio and you're working on it, continue to work on your drum sound until it's that good. Uh, until yeah, it's as good as that. Because if it? you do, you will come out with something really terrific. And uh, I'm always, always a little disappointed by the drum sounds in a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the custom, uh, you know, like no uh, off-label type uh, stuff from independent bands. A lot of times, it's 
It's like, come on, guys, work on the work on the vocal sound and the drum sound, and you'll 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 do so much better. You got yeah. so much to offer, you know. And when I say the vocal sound, I don't mean the singer. I mean the the recorded the vocal, the, the quality of the yes. recording. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Uh, I just love those drums. I guess so, sounds great. Uh, yeah. It really is. Uh, this is show number one hundred and thirty-six. We're doing the craft beer report twenty nineteen. We'll be talking about trends and the health of the uh, craft beer industry. Some very interesting things happening. Uh, plus the debut of the featured douchebag of the month and. We will also be um, uh, talking with Paul from the Heights Cigar Lounge as we uh, uh, do another installment of Smoking and Toasting Recommended Shops. But in uh, the meantime, let's do our first beer tasting. Ian, I'm going to grab some cups. Maybe you can uh, this is the show the beer to the no camera. No label. El Jefe. By the way, No Label is a great brewery out of Katy, Texas. Katy, a suburb yes. just to the west of Houston. Yes. Uh, these guys have produced some fine, They're fine so beers. experimental, too. They, they really have are. so yes. many series mm-hmm. out there. They'll, they just try everything. And uh, and they're... Uh, their beers are always a, a surprise. They have a few staples in their in their um, in their uh, list of beers, but they will try anything. There, like you can go in anytime to one of the liquor stores and find uh, find a new bomber of some other ridiculous well, thing that they've. Yeah, and decided. I just I love the nature of them being so experimental, and I think we're seeing that as one of the trends that we'll get to in a little bit uh, with uh, with craft brewing is. Uh, it's breweries are becoming much much more experimental. It's not about yes. just we need an IPA, we need a porter, we need a, a red ale. You know, yes, those things are all true, but now you're finding them experimenting with all kinds of different things. So, uh, so the El Jefe. All right, I'm going to grab another cup here. Oh yeah. There we are. We're going to pour this in there, and then so I'll this show is everybody. a familiar uh, beer aroma to you. The uh, oh yeah, so. El Jefe, by the way, for those of you who aren't Spanish-speaking, is Spanish for the Jefe. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's really good that we're so multilingual on this show. Actually, it means the boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. But El Jefe is, honestly, it's like that's the greatest Hefeweizen name ever, it I, I really believe. so. And uh, I will also tell you, mm-hmm. um, there are... Hefeweizen is not my favorite style of beer. I agree with you. It's, there, it's it's not one. It's not a default for me. I enjoy drinking one occasionally. There but, are uh, two Hefeweizens out there mm-hmm. that I dearly love. One I believe might be the best Hefeweizen uh, ever made, and that's the Live Oak Hefeweizen. That is good. And that I bet, mm-hmm. I bet that if uh, Brian is out there watching, he will chime in on that because I think he agrees with me on that. This. Is the next one really? These are the it's very two. interesting. Yeah, these are the two that I think are just absolutely amazing. Now, I like. Uh, can you go ahead and go over to the um, the, beer, to the cam? beer cam for me? Because I, I would like to un- unveil something here. Okay, before we do the tasting, drum roll, please. Oh no! For those of you who can't see exactly what this is, what is, what is that? It looks well, like a round disc. This right here. It's moving though. Is a device specifically made. Aww. For our purposes here, yeah, <laughs> that's right, uh, Ian. That's uh, that's that's. Brilliant. This is a beautiful thing. Now, that this is, is a little brilliant. bit higher tech than our previous beer turning device. Yes, which, which looked was, very much like my fingers. Yes, that's exactly right. But uh, so right now on the beer cam, as you can see it coming around, coming around, coming around. El Jefe, El Jefe. This feels yeah. so home shopping network right now this is pretty awesome now (laughs) one of the things that this does as well is it also has a higher speed so there oh so you can so you can you can go into turbo there and we're in turbo mode so if you read fast now you can really look at this can this way (laughs) 
<laughs> Next, we have to come up with some real sexy lighting for the beer cam. Well, I haven't gotten the little mini disco ball to put above it yet, mm-hmm. but we're going to have to create, I think, an environment for this with its own camera at mm. some point. So let me mention that having just taken my first sip of El Jefe, um, I think I can understand why this one has made your favorite list with Hefeweizens because it is almost like a banana uh, beer. It's a bomb, yeah. It's it a banana bomb. It's just got such rich banana flavorings to it and a very a very pleasant banana too not yes, a yes. not a sort of a, a, not a, sickly a musty sweet sickly yeah. sweet banana but uh, just very very pleasant banana a little bit of wheat and it's got and that, you notice it doesn't have a lot of that dankness that some mm-hmm. uh hefeweizens get it's actually very refreshing it's and clean it's a very refreshing beer mm-hmm. and nice and it stands up i know this for a fact it stands up to all this when it warms up, too. We're drinking mm. it very cold mm-hmm. right now, but when it warms up, there's no problems drinking this beer. I'm loving you it. You will get a little more of the darker flavors, and it. it brings in a little more, like, almost once darker fruit up. once yeah. it warms mm-hmm. up. Um, but it's still, this is an outstanding Hefeweizen. Mm. They did a great job on this, and I can see why it's been, since uh, No Label's inception, it's been one of their staples. One of their bigger sellers, so. I think. Is that right? Yep. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. This one, if anyone has uh, No Label in their store, this is one that they will have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, craft beer is, uh, it's interesting watching, you know, No Label has been, uh, and I'm and this is just a guess, but I'm guessing they're five, six years old, probably as a brewery. Somewhere have they been, yeah. have been been in that neighborhood so many craft breweries are two years old or less because so many have opened in the last yes. several years particularly the smaller um, uh, brewing uh, uh, brew pub style uh, breweries which has been one of the big trends in uh, in the whole uh, craft beer industry but no label I think they're an example of a brewery that's kind of at that sweet spot in other words they've been around just long enough that they've you know, been able to get some distribution and They've get their products, their street cred. earn their street cred, but they're still new enough that they're not, uh, you know, they're not having the kind of struggles that say a Sam Adams or or uh, right. uh, uh, you know uh, Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. some of those guys are having with just people almost taking them for granted while they go search. Uh, well, for I have stuff. to admit, I'm one of those people. Like I forget just how good that beer is. Well, because it's always there. You're absolutely you know? right. And and the last time that I had a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, I thought I should be drinking this all the time. I mean, this is a great I, beer. The other night, I was in the uh, I was in a store, and there were many beers there. But just I was in the mood for it. I picked up a six pack of Fat Tire because I go. You know what? And there's it's another so great beer. And you know what I love about Fat Tire is it's a beer that goes very well with cigars. Yes, there is a a sort of that a chocolate undertone, malty, malty chocolate yeah. undertone to it that just really works with and the, and, and any it, cigar. And it's got some hoppiness, but it's not enough that it, um, you know, that it gives you that harshness which fights with the cigar. No, it's enough to add aroma and enough to clean up the finish on the uh, on the mm-hmm. maltiness. Really nice. And it, yeah, it's just. I'm awesome. guessing this El Jefe would be a nice, uh, nice beer with a cigar. As you well. know, I don't know if I've ever had it with a cigar, I but I, I I'm willing. I'm willing to bet it would too. Those banana flavors would go good with most, most anything. I, I can't see it clashing. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that if you were smoking something like a like a Ruination or uh, something like that, it might bury this. It might bury the beer, beer a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Ruination is going to bury almost anything. You got to really, really have something tough to stand up to that. Like that, you just got to have old granddad with that. <laughs> Let me give you some numbers here, Ian. Uh, Twenty-seven point six billion. That's how much money was spent on craft beer in twenty eighteen. 
Congratulations, U.S. Yes. Uh, it's a 7% increase over 2017. Now, I don't know what it's like in the industry that you guys work in, but I'm going to tell you that a 7% increase is pretty strong. So mm-hmm. I'm really getting tired of reading these articles online about the demise of craft beer because it wasn't a 13% increase. Dude, do you know how strong it is to be where craft beer is right now and to have a yearly increase of 7%? This is on total money spent. So it, it takes into account everything that's craft beer and uh, and the money that was spent on it. So it doesn't matter whether the prices went up or down. Doesn't matter. Anyway, this is just total dollars spent. I think that's pretty. 20, let's just start. Let's put it in these terms for a billion, you know? If you owned your own company, mm-hmm. and w- what you do, if you own uh, your own company and you are showing a three to four percent increase steady every year, would yeah. you be upset with that? Not at all. Not in not in this business environment. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's going up and going up is good. If if you were doing five percent last year and it goes down to four percent this year, mm-hmm. are you going to be upset? Hmm. Wish we'd have done better, but uh, frankly, still increasing. Yep. That's right. So, and I think that's part of it. You know, the, to make news, you have to doom and gloom a lot of things, mm-hmm. and that's just one of the things. I think you're right. It's clickbait. You, you know, it's clickbait. Uh, Twenty-five point nine million. That's how many barrels of beer craft brewers produced in 2018. And a barrel is a lot of beer. Yeah, that's a 06 percent uh, volume uh, increase in share, not in not in number of barrels, but in share. In other words. Craft beer in 2017 was 12.6 percent of the market. In 2018, it was 13.2 percent of the market. So, when you're talking about market share, that's a pretty substantial increase as well. Uh, Craft beer volume grew four percent, whereas the beer market overall, everything craft beer and everything else included, the market overall was down one percent. So, you've got such a decline. That the entire market is down one percent, and yet craft beer inside that was up enough to be up four percent. I mean, that's that's a big deal as well. Uh, again, uh, the articles that are really waving the flag about craft beer's demise, I, I don't get where they're coming from. Nothing grows at an exponential rate forever. I wonder if they're sponsored by uh, <laughs> by big beer. By, by big beer, <laughs> probably. Uh, uh, here's. Really, the number I think that floored me the most, though, in this uh, report, 7,346. That is the number of craft breweries in the United States. Holy Toledo. 7,346 craft breweries with an estimated 1,049 opening in 2018. Wow. So 1,049 opened in 2018. Now, 219 closed. So you can subtract that if you want. But that's that's still an enormous increase. And it speaks to a, a part of what we've talked about, which is that a lot of the growth in craft brewing right now has been the smaller guys. It's yes. been the guys who opened up the tap room and they brewed a few styles of beer and started uh, booking some bands and you know putting some... Uh, um, horseshoe games out in the parking lot, and everybody comes around, and, and it's become a place. In fact, I read an article just this week uh, that there's a major restaurateur and bar owner uh, who's based out of Dallas that is really upset and trying to petition to get the laws changed about craft breweries being able to open their own tap, tap rooms. And it's because he says it's it's going to hurt bars. 
is what he says. That's how strong the taproom movement is. Well, so the the tap room at a beer place is somewhere you can bring a lot of places. Somewhere you can bring a dog. You can bring the family. You can hang right. out. It's they a have different vibe. They have events. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep, it's a different um, vibe. Like uh, I'm riding with the Eureka Heights team. They have beer and yoga. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have things like that going on that's up at their really brewery cool. all the time. I mean, come on. You have a place that's in your neighborhood that makes great beer. You can take some of that beer home because they have it, you know, in a fridge with mm-hmm. uh, with the crowlers and stuff like that. They can do all these things, and and that's a great place to hang out. Now, are you just going to go hang out at a bar? I get it. Yeah, like that's fun. I enjoy that too. But uh, but there, it's a different kind of uh, environment. It's a different kind of vibe. And you know, I'm walking distance where I live from Eighth Wonder. Yes, and it's just it's just a fun place to go. You know, it's it's a really fun place to go. A uh, couple more, a uh, couple more numbers for you. We're seeing openings and closing openings outpace closings about five to one. That's based awesome. On, based on uh, what happened last year, and the uh, the report notes a lot of growth in New York, Texas, and Florida, uh, particularly with uh, with breweries opening. Uh, Taproom sales are up. Overall, they're estimating 3.1 million barrels of beer were sold directly to consumers in tap rooms in 2018. The smallest brewers are seeing the most success. So it's it's really really an interesting thing. Um, you know, really an interesting thing to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. So those are some of the numbers. We'll get into some of the trends uh, coming up in the next uh, segment. Oh, but the next segment is going to be one that I'm really excited about because uh, we get to share our conversation with you with. Paul, who didn't like me very much at first, uh, from the uh, Heights Cigar Lounge. But Paul is an awesome guy, and we're uh, thrilled to make his shop uh, one of our smoking and toasting I just want to introduce this. I I was uh, talking with Paul when you were off doing other stuff at one point in time. And he was this asking is when we about, were in Honduras. Right. And right. he was asking about, okay, so we're going to do an interview. What are we doing? I was like, don't worry about it. It's just casual. It's conversation. I said, however, and I told him the story, mm-hmm. and I said, we got to bring this up, and he was dying. So the story is that he early, was dying to tell you, very early on in the in the life of this show, maybe like when we'd done three or four shows, uh, I had actually gone in and uh, uh, inquired at the Heights Cigar Lounge because I really liked it. It was a very cool place. I'd inquired about us maybe coming in and doing a show there, and I couldn't imagine why. Forget how many listeners we had at that point. If we had ten. That's 10 people who would hear about the store. You know, uh-huh. it wasn't going to cost them anything. Uh, but I, I inquired about our doing the uh, doing the show there and was uh, was kind of rebuffed, uh, shall we say, and, uh, and told, eh. Uh, so I was, uh, I was a bit put off by it because I couldn't see why they would turn it down. It was basically free publicity for them. But um, – um, for for a while, I didn't go back to the Heights Cigar Lounge. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. But uh, but now my uh, my boycott, if you will, it wasn't a boycott. But, but now <laughs> my, now my personal issues with them are a thing of the past, and you'll see why in the interview that uh, that comes up. But Ian had a lot of fun, kind of setting me up. Oh, was, that was a blast! It was, uh, it was it was really good. So uh, so that's coming up. Plus, we'll be doing a, a little bit more tasting, including. Fire Skulls and Money. I'm really looking forward to ta- uh, tasting this IPA uh, from Toppling Goliath Brewing. So we will be back at Smoking and Toasting, show number 136. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I know this. <laughs> yeah, I could tell he was so excited for his interview. You know, when we were interviewing <laughs> the other people there, you know? All right, so let's take a look at this. 
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are so glad to have you on the program with us. Uh, show number 136. Uh, looking at the Craft Beer Report for 2019. We already shared some of those figures with you. We'll get back to more of that, plus Toplin Goliath Brewing's uh, Fire Skulls and Money IPA uh, coming up in the next segment. Uh, but right now it's time for the return of, uh, of something we really enjoy here on the show, which is uh, the Smoking and Toasting Recommended Shops segment. And this is when we uh, spend a few minutes with someone from a cigar shop or a lounge that we mm-hmm. particularly like. And there's lots of them because we just particularly enjoy cigar shops yeah, and lounges. Uh, but, you know, in, in the in the world of, uh, of um, brick and mortar um, sales, uh, you know, actual cigar shops, it's something we really want to encourage people to support because it's a uh, uh, it's something I would hate to see. Hey, I, I don't mind ordering cigars on the Internet, but I really, really feel big into supporting well, the actual like my story shops, from earlier. I'm hanging you know? out in the lounge. Guy comes in, like we're the only guys in the lounge. We start up a conversation. We had great conversation for the entire yeah. time I was there. I, you know, otherwise I wouldn't meet Tony. You don't do that you, if you uh, buy cigars online. You, you know? can't replicate that in the chat. And room he was either. super yeah. nice guy. Yeah. We just yeah. chatted about everything from general health to growing old to construction and yeah. all kinds of stuff. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, without uh, further ado, uh, smoking and toasting recommended shops: the Heights Cigar Lounge, located in Houston, at uh, two forty West Nineteenth Street. All right. Smoking and toasting. It's another recommended cigar shop segment. And Paul, introduce yourself and talk about your store. Yes, thank you. My name is Paul Carroll, and I am the proprietor of Heights Cigar Lounge, located in the historic Houston Heights, just northeast by four miles as the crow flies outside of Houston. It's great to be in Honduras and still be able to hang out with people from back home. Isn't it? it's, <laughs> it's great. Awesome, it? <laughs> we've met we've met great people from all over the all over the country and from here in Honduras. But uh, but this has been fun doing this. We'll get back to that in a, a little bit. Tell us about the history of Heights Cigar Lounge and why you decided to open a cigar shop. Interesting tale. Um, I'm a business analyst by trade. Spent 20 years doing that in the corporate world. And then the Great Recession hit, and all, while although everyone will say 2009 was the outside of it, I don't believe it. And in November 2009, I was laid off. Um, being over 40, without a college degree, with numerable hours, and having few exposures on my CV meant that I was going to be a tough placement for any headhunter. Mm-hmm. And so it was either go broke, go homeless, or make something happen. And literally nine and a half years ago, in this country of Honduras, about 30, 40 minutes away in Donnelly, on another factory tour, me and a young lady on that tour just looked at each other and said, let's do it. And from that moment, it took until 2010 to register with the state and the federal government. Six, seven months later, we opened our doors in January of 2011. Wow. Now, I have a funny story about the Heights Cigar Lounge. Okay. Okay. When we first started this show, uh, I believe you approached the Heights Cigar Lounge. Yeah. And you uh, said, hey, listen, we have a little podcast. I wonder if we could come into your lounge and do this. And you met Resistance. You met you met with, well, who are you, basically? And <laughs> and why would I do this for your show? For and the record, so, it wasn't Paul. 
For the record, it was Paul. We oh, found this Paul. out today. So, oh, so we okay. actually have an approached height cigar lounge, right? Because of this, because right. you know the initial pushback. Well, being based in Houston, we've done shows now at a number of different uh, quite locations. a few. Yeah. So today on the buggy ride, <laughs> I didn't make it on a horse. Fantastic. Those horses ride. looked at me and said, "I don't think so, buddy." That's that's another story for that's, another segment. That's another yes. story. <laughs> but anyway, on the buggy ride, well, me and Paul got to talking. He was on a buggy because his back was hurting him a bit. They wouldn't let me on a horse. <laughs> they just felt that I was going to die. So we got to smoking cigars and chatting, and I told him this story. And he said, no, that was me. I said, do you remember that? He goes, not really, but it had to be me if you're looking at that timeline. <laughs> well, it, I also said, and here is my human part of my person. There are just days, weeks, moments when... I'm a dick. I don't know how else to say it. I'm an absolute dick. And as a retailer, that sucks. Let me tell yeah, you. I was as a retailer, that sucks. But there are moments that I have not built maturity around yet in my life. And I'm in them and out of them before I realize I've done wrong. Interesting. That, that, I, don't, I don't know that anyone has ever said anything quite like that on our show. That is amazingly humble, too. I can think of a few people who probably should. Who, well... Some of whom didn't actually appear on the show. They just scheduled and, uh, and then didn't canceled. Well, at least like I was dick enough to say not to come in. No, you, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't have a show up with our gear and say, who are you? Uh, so, well, let me just now in front of the camera say. Oh, shit. I'm ruining your shit. <laughs> are you all right? I'm fine. I'm worried about your mic. I can't. Oh, uh, we'll be all right. Uh, these, these are uh, what we call rock star mics. They can take a They're lot of abuse. Right. Yeah. Besides, uh, that's one of Cruz's mics. He's got one yeah, mic. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, so, so it's fitting that I break yeah, your mic. Exactly. Okay, Perfect. sorry for that. So, Paul, now in front of the camera, and I'll also point out that, you know, sitting out here is also Gusto Arroyo, who we all, you know, oh, have yes. come to know and love. Yes. So in front of all these guys, perhaps I should ask again, would it be all right for us to come to your store and do the show? It doesn't matter if they were by ourselves. I would say yes. Yeah, okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it can help sometimes now, getting to know people. I just want you to know that I purposefully told him. I said, "Don't say anything until we do our segment." Okay. Because that's okay. going to be awesome. I had another dick story to talk about, but this was much better. <laughs> Again, uh, we'll save that for another segment. There we and go. Maybe when we're uh, maybe when we're in the store. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd I, be fun. So yeah. tell us about. Uh, Hyde Cigar Lounge. What? Uh, first of all, you've got the name lounges. The word lounge is in your name. It is in my Rather name. Rather than it being Hyde Cigar Store, which has a lounge, is that is is that significant? I chose to use the word lounge not for bar, which I get quite a number of questions for. Right. And if your audience is unaware, in the city limits of Houston, it is absolutely against the law to consume consume alcohol in a cigar shop. Doesn't matter who owns it, who who bought it. The moment you crack that cap and stick it to your lips, it's against the law. Wow. So, first and foremost, knowing that. Now, what was the question? This uh, is why well, I don't do public uh, speaking. Uh, why you named it Hyde Cigar Lounge? Cigar, so, I focused on lounge. Lounge, for me, isn't bar. It is the sitting environment. Mm -hmm. People had lounges in their houses. Right. And, and so, I came up with that name. Um, my first name met with failure with a few people I checked in with and the state, which was Hyde Cigar Store. Hmm. Uh, that went nowhere. No, I think I actually started with Houston Cigar Store or something like that. Anyway, ultimately, I knew I was dropping myself into the Houston Heights area on 19th Street. 
old commerce area when that was a municipality unto itself. It's a, it's a great little area where you it's can walk down and location. do shopping yeah. and get food We have stuff. boutiques really nice. coming out all, all the time. There's uh, if, if gentrification occurring in the center, area. That would be mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm on that main drag. It's fun to be on. Again, what were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know, but it was fun. Lounge. Oh, yeah, lounge. Yes, I'm a lounge. So, yeah. Well, lounge. and I was going to have you describe the store. We uh, occupy just under 2,400 square feet. We have a 1,000-foot public lounge. We offer currently 35 lockers, which carry discounts for those who participate in that program. Uh, 400-square-foot humidor, uh, over 450 facings across 150 different blends. Uh, expanding all the time. Yes, I'm yielding to the customer's request. I'm finally going to put additional shelving in there on the backside of the lockers. I'm protecting my back wall, if anyone's listening. That will be the last thing that will shelf. I promise you that. It's too pretty and plain. Um, And we just have a good time. Um, What sets my store apart from a lot or nearly everyone else is the tagline of my store, which states, your den away from home. Nice. We are... As bad as this sounds or as good as this sounds, whichever way you want to look at it, we sit around as family, friends, we bicker, we fight, we annoy, we mock, we have fun. Sometimes I cry in the back when I hear employees (laughs) going too far, and then in two minutes he's got the customers laughing their ass off. I'm like, that's why he's still on staff. I love it. I love it. There's a community among cigar smokers that I find is just so interesting, and we've talked about this on the show a lot. There. You can have people sitting in a cigar lounge. You can have, you know, a Republican next to a Democrat. You can have a uh, an investment <laughs> banker next to a cigar shop. Well, but I'm just saying there's a community among cigar smokers that it's, uh, just, it's just about hanging and, and, you know, maybe the conversations get interesting. They get interesting. But the community exists. Yes, yeah. yes. I laughed only when you talked about the two primary uh, political parties in our country – when recently, and this was a few weeks ago, in the middle of the shutdown, Trump had his State of the Union a mm-hmm. week late. Don't mm-hmm. care who you are, what side of the political spectrum you're on. I believe the president of the United States is owed some modicum of respect. So we put on his State of the Union. And I will tell you, three or four people saw, saw the man on TV and went, not for me, and yeah. headed right out the door. Well, you know, <laughs> that's going to happen. But, but I think, honestly, that that is actually a bit unusual uh, because most of the time I think people uh, who are gathered together to you know smoke and tell stories and argue and, and debate it, it's about the community I, I, it certainly always is for me and that's 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 what I one of the things that I love about the whole concept of what you're doing because so much of your square footage is devoted to the lounge, lounge. absolutely yeah. Yeah. early days early days I don't know if it was our sales rep that is here with us this weekend Tom Polar of Polar LLC uh, it, may, it may have been him or one of his two brothers that came in my shop in that first year and asked the question, where am I going to make my money? I pointed from the humidor door to the front door, and he looked at me and blinked and went, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, excuse me. What are you bleeping oh, up talking about? That's fine. That's fine. Um, and I was like, the lounge. At the time, I didn't set a trend in Houston. I didn't follow a trend. I just knew I needed in – the, in, in, back in 2010, 2011, there was very little seating – available in tobacco retail in the Houston market. Right. You had your back rooms with one or two sofas, crowded with 20 people, no smoke elimination, standing in a cloud of smoke. 
Right. I knew early on that I wanted to provide enough seating for everyone. And again, I did not set a trend. I didn't follow a trend. But within the next two or three years, everybody had larger seating areas for mm-hmm. customers. Yeah. yeah. That weren't a private lounge. No, I don't right. have a private lounge at all. <clears throat> I've this, been, is, this has been a trend, and it's coming more and more popular. I've the seen. private lounges? No, the, the, the public lounges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lounge, yeah. yeah. To where people can buy a cigar, sit and, and smoke it. Yeah. And I will say, you know, being from Houston, we're fortunate, even though the drinking thing is a difficult thing to pull mm-hmm. off, at least we can still buy a cigar and sit and mm-hmm. smoke it yeah. in the lounge there. There are some of the people that we've uh, talked to, even on on this trip, that you can't do that where their oh, shops no. are. There's a, 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 a shop, excuse me, I'm stuttering. There's a shop here on our tour that we, you're talking about up in Plano. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Cliff and Elliot at uh, Cigar Warehouse. They exist in Plano, Texas. You cannot smoke indoors anywhere except probably your private house in Plano. They wow. have the strictest smoke poli- smoking policy in the state. Wow. And it's a big state. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot. Uh, what has uh, stood out to you most on this? I know you mentioned you've been on other uh, cigar uh, I try to, factory tours before. What stood out to you most here? I try to hit a factory every year. Now, that might sound excessive to a lot of folks, but it's one of two times out of the year that I get out of the store. I am working, whether you believe it or not, we're all sitting around in shorts and blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on now. But it is work because we're learning, we're being trained, we're gaining knowledge. I think the biggest thing for me this weekend was on a personal level. Then I'll talk about the professional level. The personal level was just huge. The open arms, the loving attention, and that loving attention extended. They talked about back troubles and why I was in a buggy. We didn't know what I was going to do when we got down there, and there was a horse-drawn buggy. I was blown away. (laughs) When I say back troubles, I was at the clinic this morning getting Honduran medicine for the first (laughs) time in my life. I'm loving life right now. (laughs) Uh, On a professional level, I have retweaked the blends in my head that he has in his portfolio that I support. I've corrected things in my mind about the processes involved. I researched the Aurora Farm and their history. Side note, I'm grateful that the hand-rolled folks are coming back through to do a Honduran movie because they skipped that in their movies. And that's when I learned about the true nature of how Honduras became one of the best and first growing regions in Central America. Mm-hmm. And it's all down to uh, earlier in this podcast, you spoke to Husto. He talked about his father coming across, but he's, his father joining a pilot program that had already started with the Cubans. Mm-hmm. And from that little bit, Julio grew an immense organization in Central America here in the Hamastron Valley. Yes, and it's, uh, it's just so interesting to see the kind of influence that I think this is going to have going forward. I think you're going to be hearing a lot more oh, yeah. about yeah. Uh, not only just Honduran tobacco in general, uh, but about Aladine and, and uh, JRE. Absolutely. Really Absolutely. Um, uh, any cigars that you've had he, uh, during your time here that have stood out to you? Yes. Well, although it's not the one you see at the front of the table, which I will talk about a little bit more in depth here in a moment, I, like the other two uh, recommended shops you've just interviewed, mm-hmm. fell in love with that Connecticut. Yes. It is an outstanding. It's an outstanding smoke. But the one I have that I'm smoking right now, which was talked about just before the segment before me, was the uh, Toro size of the, uh, holy crap, Aladino Reserva. Yes. And this is one of those pilot cigars. You've seen me light it a couple times, so you've already witnessed what imp- some of the information we passed that you just 
perfectly described when you were with Houston, how we passed that to the rollers, to everybody on, in supervisory roles on the floor, and they went out to take action against they it. They went immediately Absolutely. to work Blew on it. Absolutely, me away. <laughs> but you see me relight it a couple times, so you're aware that we are involved in helping grow the quality of this blend to perfection that Justo and Julio seek every moment of their life in their cigars. And as I think I mentioned when we were speaking with Justo, if they get it to the place where the Robusto is, it'll yeah. be damn near perfect. What I find phenomenal about the top shelf uh, Aladino Reserva is it's a Honduran Corojo Puro. Uh, we in America bastardize the true meaning of Puro to mm-hmm. mean cigar from one country. However, we need to find a new term for when the cigar comes from one farm. This cigar right. comes from one farm. Wow. What makes it extra special outside of the regular Aladino and Aladino Maduro is that it includes the top two Lajero leaves they call the Corona Crown, mm-hmm. which impart an extra richness to the tobacco. This thing tastes phenomenal. It is. It is really a great flavor. So... In addition to saying, yes, I'm with the rest of the lemmings on the Connecticut, uh, the Connecticut <laughs> Aladino because it's just phenomenal, I wanted to talk about my experience with the, and share some blend information about the Aladino uh, Reserva. That's awesome. Heights Cigar Lounge uh, in the Heights, 19th Street. 19th Houston. Street. Our, our physical address is 240 West 19th Street. And if that doesn't give you the full address in, in, in any kind of GPS, you need the zip code 77008. Right up the street from the uh, Heights Theater, if you've been to I want to say we're a, block, we're a block away. They're half yep. a block on the next. We're in the half block mm-hmm. that we're on. Yeah, it's um, a- Open seven days a week. Our phone number is 832-487-9086. And like I do on the phone, I'm repeating 832-487-9086. <laughs> You can find us on the web at, uh, God, I can't remember my own web, but com. How damn easy. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, thanks for uh, being on the show. And uh, not only are you uh, now a uh, smoking and toasting recommended cigar shop, but uh, we look forward to coming oh, out, come sharing anytime, cigars with you. Me, and, uh, anytime you and, want, and come hang tobacco. out. It's all good. It's all good. See, they told awesome. me you were friendly. Yeah, you got to get to know me. <laughs> you got to get past the dick shield. <laughs> Thank you very much. And welcome back. It's uh, Smoking and Toasting. Hyde Cigar Lounge in uh, the historic uh, Houston Heights. They are uh, located at 240 West 19th Street, and they are a Smoking and Toasting recommended location. Now, um, I want to point out one of the reasons for doing the Smoking and Toasting recommended location, recommended shop, uh, is to be able to talk about uh, cigar shops and lounges that we aren't able to visit and do shows from ourselves as easily because of being located here. It's a longer car drive. But Paul was just too interesting. We had to include him, even though I'm sure we'll wind up at the Heights Cigar Lounge at some point, now that we're on the approved list. In the near future, yes. Now that we're on the approved list. You know, it's going to be hilarious if, if if we call him up and he's like... Ah, yeah, I, I, I don't already, know. I've already been on the show. It's like uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that won't be. He the was case. absolutely hilarious. He was a great guy to hang out with too. Really enjoyed his uh, his company on the uh, on the trip to Honduras. All right, let's uh, take a quick break, and we're going to come back because I'm very excited about tasting Fifty Fifty Brewing's Eclipse Imperial Stout, and I'm very excited about tasting Toppling Goliath Brewing's. Fire, Skulls, and Money IPA. And we'll do that one in the next segment. And I'm looking forward to it because it comes in a really beautiful artistic can. And it's going to be so fun to see it rotating on the uh, uh, <clears throat> the beer 
cam turntable. On the beer cam turntable, which Brian missed because he just logged in. Yes, he didn't see yes. the, the initial reveal. <laughs> yeah, so Brian, you'll have to check this out. It's a, it's high tech and you'll love it. Uh, we'll be right back at Smoking and Toasting. Yeah, right. <laughs> Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 136. Uh, the Craft Beer Report uh, 2019 is the title of our show today as we're kind of taking stock of the health and uh, uh, vitality of the craft beer industry and trying some really interesting craft beers uh, on the show today. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. We mentioned this earlier in the show, but Ian and I uh, went to B&B for dinner, took the ladies, uh, dropped a serious load of cash and had a wonderful time. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've eaten in pretty much every major steakhouse chain that exists, you know, all, all, all the big ones, and there's some really wonderful steakhouses in a city like Houston, Texas, but I've eaten in, eaten them all, all over the country because I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that at, at certain times. Uh, B&B by far. That steak I had Saturday night when we were out with you and your mm. wife, that that's that's just the best steak I've ever ordered anywhere. It was Mine fantastic. Was amazing. I will tell you this: like I make great steaks at my house. Okay? Yes, yes. I absolutely like. I, I fire up the grill. I make them just the way I want them, and they're outstanding. Um, but I don't dry age steaks at my house. I just right. don't. Yeah. It's just not a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, want, that would be awkward. I want to point out something else interesting, too. My wife and I split a wedge salad. You know, it, wedge salad, you know what you're getting, right? They take the uh, the the chunk of uh, of regular, uh, whatever you call it, regular iceberg lettuce, lettuce. Iceberg yeah. lettuce, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they chop it off in a wedge. They put the uh, dressing on it, whether you like blue cheese or ranch generally, and usually bacon bits. Well, when you order the wedge salad at B&B, you get bacon bits. But what you get... Are bits of the B and B bacon? Yeah, it's it's takes this salad to a whole nother <laughs> level. Oh my god, it's so good! I'm like wanting to go back. It's it's just amazing. So we have to do that again uh, uh, soon. And anyway, thanks to B and B for sponsoring the show. By the way, thanks to our guest from last week, Matt Booth from Room One Hundred One Cigars, uh, was on the show last week. Uh, yeah, he was. And he was. It was, was great fun to talk to. Fun. We had we had fun being able to talk to him at the Houston Whiskey Social, uh, the single greatest. Um, beverage event known to man and uh, I say that because I know Chris Hart's watching and I know no one cares about him so I'm I'm trying to prop him up you know he's the kind of guy that you, you don't want to let him get down on himself. He will take that to heart. You don't want to. You want to let him get down on himself. I saw what you did there. Uh, you, you don't want to let him get down on himself <laughs> because no one cares about him. You know what I mean? That's right. So, so Chris, love you, bro. Uh, all right. So there's so much going on in the world right now of uh, beers and and uh, uh, spirits and cigars. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting is there's a brand new Cuban Monte Cristo in. Do you think I could talk you into buying me one of these new Cuban Monte Cristos uh, for my birthday this year? Cuban Monte Cristos sound delicious. Yeah, they really do. And I, I, I'd, I'd really like to try this new one. And I was wondering if maybe I could get you to make a commitment right here and now on the show to buy me one for my birthday. To, to, to just sight unseen make a commitment sure, to buy yeah, one? Sure, yeah, of course. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Are they difficult to attain? Um, uh, well, no more difficult, I think, than any other Cuban Monte Cristo. Okay. All right. Um, well, it sounds like a... 
pretty. Like, should I buy a few of them? So, so? we so we on? Should we shake on it? <laughs> I feel like I might be getting suckered into yeah. something here. Uh, oh, I neglected to mention that it costs two hundred and fifty-eight dollars for a box. No, for a cigar. I that's that's a lot of cigar. It's a brand new. Is it is it like a like a ninety-five ring gauge by about four <laughs> feet long? I mean, what's going on? It's the Cuban Monte Cristo Grand Pyramides. It's part of the limited collection Habano series, and uh, they've finally started to reach retail shops uh, around the globe. Not in the U.S., obviously, but uh, uh, the they say that this release is technically the 2018, uh, 2017 edition, but shop owners have only begun to see them in the last month. So, in answer to your question, it's six and a quarter inches, fifty-seven ring gauge, which is longer and thicker and more beefed up than the classic Monte Cristo number right. two. Uh, but it is, uh, they come 20 per box. Uh, they're packaged in a box that looks like a book. Uh, every release is called a tomo or volume. Uh, and only 2,000 boxes were created. But it's one cigar per box. Well, you can buy the whole box if you want. $5,175. Well, that seems like a reasonable amount. That seems good. Yeah, right? You could you could swing that. <laughs> I, I'm just you know, and and maybe this is maybe some people feel this way about like today on the show you talked about smoking a twenty dollar cigar, right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe some people feel this way about even a twenty dollar cigar, and I would totally understand if you did, and I kind of do in in many ways. But if you've bought one of these, let's let's say you decide to spring for one of these, and it's two hundred and fifty eight dollars, and you buy it and put it in your humidor. What's the occasion going to be where you break out? The two hundred and fifty-eight dollar. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, if that occasion happens and you're still wearing pants, you got the wrong occasion. Because yeah. <laughs> holy Toledo! I think you summed it up very nicely. There. Thank you for uh, thank thank you for for clearing that up. So so yeah. So I'm Ian. I'm I'm so excited about Christmas. I can barely. I, my, my, my birthday. I can barely tell you. I, <laughs> no, and I want to I want to thank you in advance for agreeing for, to uh, for agreeing to, buy uh, the, to buy that for me for two hundred and eighty something. Two hundred fifty eight dollars. Yes. Two hundred. Oh, that's yeah. That's cheaper than I thought. I thought you were. You thought it was soon in '85, yeah. So no, no, we're 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 good to go here. <laughs> That's uh, so. Uh, Ian is pouring. Uh, the folks from Toppling Goliath uh, Brewing um, have really made a name for themselves, uh, primarily with IPAs, uh, a lot of juicy IPAs and New England style uh, IPAs. But they are actually located in Iowa. They're in Decorah. There's something about Iowa. this can that makes me want to either be a pirate or ride a Harley. And and I've always wanted to be a pirate, by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> a Harley would be interesting, and I'm not a motorcycle guy, uh, but, I, but I understand the appeal and the allure. But the pirate thing, yeah, I would be. You know, maybe it's because pirates drink rum. I think that's what. Yarg. I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily interested in you know the the part about you know pillaging and all that. I just want to like at the end of the day get together and drink rum with the other pirates. That's what I really want to do and say ah. You can eventually find out what they do with a drunken sailor. I would uh, I would like to know. So all right, so fire skulls and money is the uh, India Pale Ale, and uh, we have a shot of it I think on the beer cam here. Uh, which is, you know, a pretty interesting way to uh, to <laughs> to do beer. Um, Ian, what can you? Uh, I'm going to grab this off the beer. Will you help me here? grab this off the it's, beer because I wanted to use read the force. What this says. Thank you. You are the man. We are uh, 
We are definitely high tech here on the show. Um, here's what it says on the can. It says, inspired by a trip to the West Coast. So this is going to be more of a West Coast IPA, I'm guessing. Uh, and designed to capture the wild spirit of venture and brood to be enjoyed with friends. This rich IPA for those with wanderlust in their hearts. I really like what they wrote here. Somebody did really good writing. Uh, rich IPA is for those with wanderlust in their hearts and fire in their eyes. Join our Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy, and Nelson hops on a journey to the bottom of your glass. Brewed by Toppling Goliath Brewing Company, Decora, Iowa. Live beer, it says. Please refrigerate. Uh, you have an interesting look on your face, Ian. I'm, I'm curious as to what you think. Um, I have a feeling this is not going to be your style of beer. It's not really my cup of tea. Mm. I, frankly, if you want... If you want my experience with it, uh, it's got a nice hoppy freshness up front. It's got a, an okay finish on it. It's a little bitter. It doesn't have anything in the middle. Like to me, the whole middle of the palate is missing on this mm. beer. Mm. Um, however, I'm not really an IPA guy, and that's a very, a very West Coast style IPA. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm learning your palate a little bit as we've you know done the show for 136 episodes, and I've kind of learned what you like. And I'd not tasted this before today but upon tasting it i can tell that this is going to be one of those ipas where i go oh yes and you go and eh, not so much this yeah. is just <clears throat> this doesn't play to your uh, to your palate nearly as well i love the way the hops um combine i guess in this sense to really make a kind of a unique uh, ipa flavor and to me this is just you know this is what tasting and discovering different ipas is all about but it's got enough of the resinous hoppiness to it. It's got pine that, cone. That I can tell you're going to have an issue <laughs> yes. uh, with, with the finish. And, and I, I respect that. I don't, uh, my palate's not the same, but I totally respect where you're coming from. I mean, I would put the IPA in, this IPA in a class of for IPA lovers only. I would, I would say so. If you, if you like big IPAs, you're going to like this. This to me is, I, you know, I like IPAs that are this big, but I like, different balance in the ipa and mm -hmm. i can see where where you like this and and i don't yeah i would i would definitely i would definitely put this in in my rotation uh but it's not my favorite of all time yeah. this is not my favorite style of ipa but i appreciate this this is definitely a west coast so i think of in ipa styles i think of the east coast style as being that new england juicy hazy this is more the west coast style which is more hop forward mm -hmm. and more just sort of like um um, it's about the combination of hops, I think, is what is what this is I about. I think, so. honestly, so this is, when I talk about the kind of IPA I don't like, I think this is pretty much it. And I would tell you I think it's delicious. Yeah. So, so we're, we are polar opposites <laughs> yeah, on that is, one. Well, but that's good. Like we, I, I think it's good that we don't always have exactly the same you know, taste in mind. But, yes, I, I totally get it. But I will say the kind of IPAs that you talk about that you don't like, I have tasted some that are in this style that I totally agree with you on. That I yeah. think, I think push that too far and don't balance it. I'm getting just enough <coughs> sort of citrusy balance in this that it works for me and works for my uh, taste buds. And I think it's, uh, I think it's yeah, absolutely, and maybe absolutely it's, delicious. Maybe it's something on my palate. All I can taste is that bitter pine coney thing on the end, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that, that to me, it just it's not a it's not an on for me. I can see a lot of people like it, you know. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just not my cup of tea on it. Mm -hmm. So I, you could say you can taste the 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 ingredients. It's it's well crafted. It's mm -hmm. 
And the can looks amazing. I might have bought it just for the can. Yeah, the can really is one of my favorites that I've seen in a while. I like it very much. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for the whole skull imagery and, <laughs> you know, Day of the Dead type stuff. So, and, and anything piratey. I like anything piratey. So, um, so we are debuting a new uh, feature on the show, and we'll do it in this segment. Then we'll take a quick break and we'll come back because we're going to taste a little, a little whiskey. Uh, and or are we doing whiskey? I think we're doing whiskey in this segment, aren't we? Because is this segment? Oh four? yeah, yeah, we're on segment. Adam, four, is this segment we? four? Uh, am I right about that? Yes, this is segment whiskey. four. Whiskey. All right. So so the beer cam is amazingly transformed. It's about to be into the whiskey cam, right? Wow! Look at that. That was so brilliantly done, Ian. I don't. I, I just don't know how you. Uh, um, I don't know how you screw up the camera the way you do. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know how you. Uh, uh, I don't know how you uh, transform it so beautifully into the uh, into the whiskey. Can. I have I have a certain magic going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, bef- um, before we get to the whiskey, uh, we did want to debut a new uh, feature in this segment, and it's something we have not done on the show before. But I think we're going to be able to keep this one going. Uh, and it's a se- it's a little segment I like to call. Uh, the uh, smoking and toasting douchebag of the month uh, uh, award, and uh, in otherwise this, known as random acts of douchebaggery. Yeah, ran- yes, that's right. Because douchebaggery is one of those things that there really should be less of in the world. And uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm unhappy to report that douchebaggery is alive and well. Uh, and uh, the winner of the April douchebag of the month for smoking and toasting is Representative Frank Pallone Jr. from New Jersey. Guess what this asshat did? I I don't know why that term makes me laugh every time. It's, it's asshat. Isn't it greater? Isn't it better than just a hole? Right? Yes. Asshat. Something about it is 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 just better. Uh, he has filed a measure to put a series of onerous restrictions on premium handmade cigars, including banning all internet sales and making the sale of flavored cigars of any form illegal. And he calls it. And this is. The title, actually, I hate what he did because it's unnecessary, first of all, because we're already dealing with legislation that would accomplish these things and working to try to get (coughs) premium cigars exempted from this, right? But the reason he wins the Douchebag of the Month Award is because he named the bill the Reversing the Youth Tobacco Epidemic Act of 2019. Because we all know that 12-year-olds are really, really looking for right. hand-rolled cigars. They're taking their uh, their credit cards and going online and buying hand-rolled cigars. Not. Yeah, that's the dumbest thing That is thing not ever. happening. These, just, are these people like even remotely mm-hmm. in touch with reality? This bill would also boost user fees co- collected by the FDA, uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and place stricter restrictions on how premium cigars are advertised. Uh, uh, Pallone is a uh, a Democrat from New Jersey's 6th District. He introduced the bill which aims to address the sharp rise, I'm quoting here, in use of tobacco and e-cigarette products among young people. That has nothing to do with premium cigars being ordered on the Internet. Nothing. You know what didn't happen earlier as I went into Casa de Monte Cristo? No kids were hanging outside the door going, hey, man, you mind, uh, you know, Buy me a Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, well, or a Padron. Uh, his his bill states, and I, I guess I understand where he's coming from here, that it would ban all sales of cigars other than retail sales through a direct face to face exchange between a retailer and a consumer. 
Uh, it would eliminate sales over the internet and through catalogs, which are two channels that sell a large percentage of premium handmade cigars. Now, my my brethren in the uh, brick and mortar stores may not like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I like having internet cigar sales and te- uh, catalog cigar sales available because I feel like they keep the brick and mortars honest in terms of price. There's a cigar shop I won't name it, but it's uh, it's a one minute drive from our studio here. And I don't go there, and it's a very nice place, and I'm sure they have a clientele that really loves it. But I don't go there because a cigar that would cost me $10 at Stogie's or at Casa de Monte Cristo or downtown at McCoy's uh, would be $18 there. That's, uh, nobody's keeping that guy honest. Now, it may either work for his business or it may not. I, I, I don't really care. It's just not where I'm going to go, right? Right. But I feel like the fact that you can buy cigars at such discounts online is part of what keeps, you know, special promotions and, you know, things going. And, and it's not entirely on the retailer. Some of it's on the actual cigar companies themselves making these promotions available to the retailer. You, you, you follow what I'm right, saying? Right, right. You know, and, and again, a lot of that is because they know they've got to deal with the... Uh, now, Aladino Cigars, JRE, that we uh, visited in Honduras and did that segment, those guys don't sell through internet retailers at all. Totally respect that. Like, yeah. I, I feel like That's it's... That's a big choice it's to a make for a company. big choice to make because they are missing out on sales in order to promote, you know, the, the brick-and-mortar companies. Not only, but and also keep their, keep their product <coughs> at a high quality because right. if you... If you succumb to, okay, I'm going to sell these online, mm-hmm. then online is going to demand a huge volume. <laughs> and if you don't have the production to back up a huge volume and keep your quality up high, <clears throat> um, then <laughs> what happens is you end up w- putting out cigars that are going to damage your name. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's you absolutely know? right. Well, I, I, I agree. There's, there's a quality factor that's involved, and and it's great to see them doing that. So I I feel like the best possible world. I want to be able to go to Jr. Cigars and buy some of their Jr. alternatives that are three dollars or less a stick when that's the kind of thing I need to stock my humidor with. Right, right. But I'm also going to support my local retailers because I I like these guys. I want them to succeed. I go buy and so I go buy boxes of cigars locally. I don't just buy on the internet. Like and and I never would. But but again, banning internet sales. Not the answer. Banning flavored cigars, not the answer. Not all premium cigars. And, and Also, you know, one of the problems with kids, mm-hmm. maybe parents should have something to do with that. Yeah. By the way, I think that... Uh, I think that Brian Coltrane nailed it. He said the kid. Uh, he's uh, commenting on the uh, uh, on in the in the feed on the uh, live show. He said kids only want the two hundred and eighty dollar stick cigars. So, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. They want that Cuban Monte Cristo that just for. came out for two hundred eighty five dollars a stick. Um, I will say to you that I uh, um, that I'm proud that our inaugural douchebag of the month is Representative Frank Pallone Jr. From New it's Jersey. funny that his name's Pallone. Maybe we shouldn't call it douchebag of the uh, month. Maybe we should call it asshat of the month. Do you like that better? I, you know, both of them are good. I think douchebag's a little more, more general, actually. So okay. I think douchebag's. We'll I think douchebag's a better term for the for the blanket term. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But certain douchebags can be asshats, but not all asshats are douchebags. That's a very good point. 
and I'm glad, you clar- I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> okay. these, are, these are words of wisdom. Like, if I were reading a book, I would go get a pencil and underline that, that, <laughs> that sentence right there. Say, say that again. Certain asshats are douche... Uh, certain... Douchebags are asshats, asshats but not, not all asshats, asshats are douchebags. Yeah, that's right. So. There, I like it. I like it. Ian, tell me about this. You brought in this whiskey, this Corsair Citra Double IPA. Uh, what do we know about this, sir? Well, sir... I'm I'm getting a hoppy this, uh, aroma off this. <laughs> this whiskey uses a double IPA or double India Pale Ale as its distiller's beer. The double IPA beer is an evolution of the IPA, but typically adds more malt and more hops. This results in a more intensely hopped beer. When the distilled when distilled as a whiskey, it pushes the hot the hop content over the top for a whiskey that appeals to both hop heads of the beer community. And curious whiskey aficionados, the whiskey is focused on a single hop variety, Citra. Citra has very intense citrus flavors Citra's like a great hop. grapefruit and orange, and not for everybody, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. All right, so I <clears throat> just wanted to uh, point out the difference between this and, say, the Glenfiddich um, IPA cask uh, whiskey, which I have at home in my bar and love, um, is that one is finished in IPA cask. That's different, right? Right. It's they, a very that, different that means thing. It was an, I, this one comes. an IPA uh, in a cask that was aged, and then they take that out of the cask and they use that cask to put and the fill it with the whiskey in, and, yes. and add and a finish it, to the and flavor. Age it there. Right. This, this though, uses it in the mash bill. It uses it in the mash bill. That's exactly right. Mm. I, I'm going to tell you that I, I'm not crazy about what I'm getting on the nose on this, uh, and I'm real curious Ian, to, to see. What you think of this and and where this comes from? Because oh, I've had this because among the two of us, I'm the hophead here, much right. more so than you. So, so I'm going to withhold because I've had this before. I want to know what you think about this whiskey. Okay, so my first reaction is I like the taste of it much better than I liked the aroma, which is really interesting for a whiskey because a lot of times when I'm you know, sampling a whiskey here on the show or say out at something like the Whiskey Social, the nose lets me know pretty much what I'm going to think about the whiskey. I may not pick up on all the the subtleties and the finish and all of that, but it lets me know what I'm going to think of the whiskey. This nose would have led me to think I wasn't going to like it very much, but I actually kind of do. I'm digging it on the on on the finish. So I'll tell you what I think. I think it stinks. Mm. I think it is the smelliest whiskey I've ever opened in my life. Uh, that if you like hops, mm-hmm. you will like the way it smells. Well, I do like hops, so that's got to. So totally by stinks, I mean it just has a strong aroma. Mm-hmm. Like it's like when I poured <coughs> this, you can this whole room can smell it. Well, I, I didn't like it on the nose, and it is so. It smells like somebody murdered a bale of hops in here. Okay, but when you when you take that, I first think the sip. flavor is better than the way it smells than the mm-hmm. aroma. Uh, I think I agree. It has actually a nice whiskey finish on it. And here's what's going to happen, okay? After two or three sips of this, the hot bitterness becomes a little more tolerable. All of that being said, Mm -hmm. this bottle now belongs to you. Oh, well, this is interesting because Brian just commented in the the, uh, notes he's trying to get rid of it. That's what he's doing. Uh, and uh, that's so interesting, Ian. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. When I saw you set this on, on the whiskey uh, turntable, uh, I thought, this is really weird because I would expect me to be the one who would bring in something like this. I will tell you, uh, although I, I do like this, but this is easily 
easily in my bottom third of whiskeys that I that I now that this is it's going a to my weird bar. whiskey. It's it's easily in the bottom third of the whiskeys in my bar. Uh, our producer Adam on the wheels of steel. Adam, thumbs up or down on this whiskey? Uh, he, he's, <laughs> he's gave it, solidly gave it that. mediocre. Solidly mediocre. Yeah. Wildly average. I think. I don't think. Like, I haven't tried this, but I don't think you could make a mixed drink with this. I I know I can't this imagine. This would make it would, it what would might be the world's worst yeah. old fashioned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like, and, and frankly, I, it's interesting. I think that this company is. Uh, I think that this is super cool that they did this. I think that that is that is what we need to do. We need to stretch out. We need to try different things, and they get huge kudos for that. Like mm-hmm. huge. I don't like this product. This is just not your thing. It tastes like somebody steeped whiskey in pine cones to me. In my mind, what I'm and looking for And then left the pine in whiskey, cones in there for me to drink it. What I'm looking for in whiskey isn't the citrus so much. I'm looking more for, you know, the flavors I love in whiskey, yes. more the honey, the vanilla, the uh, the charred oak uh, flavors, and in even in certain instances, the peat. Like, I've, I've really begun to learn to enjoy the smokiness and and peat and whiskey and i will tell you when we started the show i didn't like peated whiskeys it's 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 been a it's been something that i've sort of grown into palate wise as we've uh as we've had a chance to try some things so um so i would say if you're a hophead it might be worth might be worth giving it a shot i don't know how expensive this bottle is i do however have a slight challenge do we still have we still have some of this uh, this is the very hoppy beer, right? The question is this: mm-hmm. How does it react with that beer? Okay, so because this I've never done. That so is I'm going to sip my whiskey now. I will say that this beer is more citrus. This is the Fire Skulls and Money, uh, a more citrus forward beer. I mean, this Let is all citra hops. Yeah. Hmm. There's something in the in the aroma here. Of this whiskey that I really don't like. Yeah. I like the flavor much better than I like the aroma. But see, oddly enough, they kind of complement each other. It makes the beer uh, better. The beer sweetness. There's more sweetness in yeah, the beer. Yeah, it makes the And beer it better. kind of works on the whole flavor profile. Well, this is fascinating because <laughs> I think we're damning it with faint praise here. Um, but but it's it's fascinating to walk through this. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you brought this in, actually, because I don't know that I would have bought this. Here's my bottom line on this whiskey. This whiskey is an incredibly cool thing. Mm-hmm. And in great the fact, that they tried it. And the said. fact that they did it, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that there are people out there that will hear what I'm saying about this, understand it, and go, that's what I like in a whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dank, citrusy smell that you get, like this thing, it, I mean, it reeks. Everyone around you will, it's like having a pickle at the movie theater. Everyone <laughs> around you gets to enjoy it. Like <laughs> they should have just named it Pickle at the movie theater, and I would have bought a bottle already. You know yeah. what I'm talking about, I though, totally right? Did. Like, like you'd be totally three did. rows back, and you're like, "Oh, somebody's having one of them giant pickles." <laughs> it's usually my wife, by the way. <laughs> so, no, you're, you're so right. That's actually that. But should be like the- it, it does that. Now that being said, the whiskey itself, I don't think is. It's not for me, but the whiskey tastes better than the smell, mm. and it oddly makes this beer that we just tried that I also didn't like. I think a much more tolerable beer. All right. Well, I have a feeling that you're going to come back around in uh, in the final segment, which we have coming up here, because in the final segment we're going to be trying something from Fifty Fifty Brewing. It's their Eclipse 
Imperial Stout. Good. During the break, I'm going to shave all the pine cone off my tongue. Okay, you do that. We'll be right back. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting, uh, show number 100 and uh, where the heck are we? 136. Wow. And no one has stepped in to stop no us. No one has stopped us Oh, I'm us so yet. sorry. I wasn't supposed to say that anymore. <laughs> God, that whiskey reeks. You know what, though? I just don't like the smell of it. The taste of it, I'm okay with, but I don't like the smell of it. You just have to drink it outside. (laughs) (laughs) On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 136 of the Craft Beer Report 2019. We'll get to that momentarily. We are brought to you by uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and then right across the street at B&B Lemon. And, of course, there's the Fort Worth B&B location in the shops at Clear Fork. So uh, uh, check them out. Their food is just fantastic. Their bar is so well curated. It's uh, it's definitely a thing a thing to behold and a thing to be enjoyed. Um, Ian, there, uh, I would say that the big... Big beer trends in uh, 2018 were primarily to do with IPAs. Uh, I think the New England juicy, hazy IPA trend. The juicy was definitely a big trend. And then slightly before that was the more like um, the more easy drinking IPA, the more citrusy, uh, like the uh, Founders All Day IPA. Mm. The trend, it seemed like every. Every company is coming out with a a more session. Thank you. Sessionable is the right word. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the um, what the trends are for 2019 and beyond. But my first um, my first sort of prediction here is light beers, light craft, light beer. I think is going to be the huge trend at the risk of being long winded on this commentary Mm -hmm. is um, when the craft beer industry really started. Mm hmm. People were looking for beers with more flavor. That weren't liked, you know? Yeah. They wanted beers with more flavor. Mm -hmm. And that led into, oh, some success. Mm -hmm. And so now we had beers with more flavor, so people were like, okay, let's see how much flavor we can put into beer. Mm -hmm. And that's when you have Goose Island and their bourbon barrel style. Right, and And the big flavor stuff. Being as huge as can be. You get companies like uh, right here in Houston, we have Brash Brewing. Mm -hmm. Their name is Brash. They do two things amazing. They Mm -hmm. do IPAs, and they do... Big ridiculous stouts. Although I've had one of their gozes that was fantastic. Oh, and I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But those two things, like that's they, they're brash. That's what mm-hmm. they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of companies like that. And then with uh, like arrogant bastard and companies like uh, uh, Stone, right, doing these making big a, big IBUs. Huge. Yeah. Yes, even their smallest beers, so to mm-hmm. speak, are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of companies were doing that for a lot of years, and people were eating it up. They were drinking it up because like this is flavor. This is new. This mm-hmm. is interesting. Let's mm-hmm. try it. Let's try it. Let's try it. You know. Uh, much like us with any of these things that we have in here, sometimes it's just different. You want to try it. You right. know, it's worth exactly. trying like that. Like the Citra, Citra Double, Double IPA. IPA is not a whiskey that I enjoy that much. <laughs> but you're but glad you tried I'm it. I'm awesome. I think it's awesome that they made it, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I got to try it and say, hey, I, I've had that. So I think that that, after a while, has to reach an event horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to actually. I just used that word. I like it. That you did amazing. a great job. I'm yeah. so a little proud of myself there. I read. Anyway, um, has to reach an event horizon where we, we kind of tip over and we go, okay, okay, we've had that. And there are companies now that have risen to the top and they make the best of those. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some of the aforementioned companies and many, many more. Um, and so what's happening now is we want to have something sessionable. 
We right. want to have something that we don't have to just drink one. We can drink four of, and it equals the same amount of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to sit there for four hours, you can sip one beer, or you can sip four. Or I'm being a little conservative about that in the four-hour thing. That's an mm -hmm. hour. But anyway, uh, the bottom line is, if you're going to be doing something all day long, like grilling or barbecuing or something, sometimes you don't really want to drink barley wines the entire time. Correct, yes. You Correct, know? yeah. Like me. I don't mind drinking barley wines the entire time, but the results are a little different. Right. So when you pick up something like a daytime IPA, you get a little bit of the best of both worlds. No, it doesn't have as big a, f a flavor as some of the other beers, but it does have good flavor. It has good character. Um, it's a very drinkable beer, and... On top of that, you can drink them for hours. Mm -hmm. you That's know? absolutely right. And you're not, you know, unless you're an idiot, you're not completely sloppy with it. Right. Which I think is a huge part of the trend right now going with that. Now, we've seen different styles within there go in, like the Juicy IPAs. We've seen, uh, like the Gozas a few years back were very popular. They, mm -hmm. were, they were picking up uh, some steam and people, a lot of people hadn't tried them. And I think that, like, a beer like that, which is so unique and the, a little bit of sour and everything... That went into the market with, ooh, what is this? And then there's a contingency of people who went, no, I never want to try that again. And a bunch of people who really enjoy it. You mm -hmm. know, I love uh, sour beers. I think they're wonderful. I know a but lot of some people, people hate are them. just yeah. like, that's the most terrible thing ever. Right, absolutely. But then again, I'm a little bit like that with some IPAs, so I get it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I think and some that, whiskeys, actually. I think that bringing, <laughs> bring, right, exactly, bringing, uh, bringing craft beer to a level where you can create a very drinkable Mm -hmm. Very uh, palatable, across-the-board style of beer. Uh, I think companies just avoided making lagers. I think mm -hmm. they avoided making uh, you know, a lot of those things because the macro brews do that. I you think know? you're right, yes. It was considered a macro brew thing. And then uh, as tastes changed and shifted, and as people got into craft beer, uh, so take your typical craft beer convert, right? You've been drinking Bud Light, Miller Light, you know, Coors Light, and uh, then you discover there's beers with all these flavor. So you start drinking the craft beers, and then you realize at, at a certain point, maybe a few years into this, wow, I'm consuming a lot more beer calories than I used also to. Also that, yeah. How do I, like, find something a little lighter that I'm going to actually like now that my palate has experienced these actual flavorful right. beers? Thankfully... There's some beers coming to the market here that are taking care of that, and I think this is one of the big trends for 2019 and beyond. Uh, if you are in the um, the Phoenix area, uh, Arizona Light uh, Beer from Hus Brewing out of Tempe is a uh, is a really good, really full flavored light lager that doesn't taste at all like a Bud Light or a Miller Light, but does have fewer calories and fewer carbs and all of those things. Uh, there's also uh, the Petal House Brewery in Tempe, which has its day drinker lager uh, with an ABV of just 3.5. Uh, our show beer today, we, Ian and I were enjoying the Mostly Harmless from uh, Eureka Heights. I don't know what the calories are in this, but it's 4.5% alcohol by volume. It's a mostly harmless little beer that still has a full Big hoppy taste. It says a hoppy pale 
of very little threat. Yes, exactly right. And it has a friendly looking dolphin with a towel. Yeah, and and you can't go wrong with a friendly dolphin with a towel. Um, we had and reviewed on this show got I, I think some of the highest marks from us that any light beer had ever gotten, the Lagunitas Daytime IPA. Yes. And uh, this thing has apparently really taken off. 98 calories, 4% ABV. Ballast Point out of San Diego, very, very good brewery, uh, have released Lager. It's just called Lager. I love it. Uh, it arrives at only 99 calories and 4.2%. I really ABV. want that to be like a plain white can with just black letters that say lager on yeah, it. Yeah, like the, like the generic <laughs> beer cans. Beer. And, and yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, Harpoon Brewery, one of my favorites uh, out of uh, Boston, uh, is preparing Rec League, 3.8% ABV hazy pale ale with 120 calories. Now that's interesting. Yeah, so uh, the move towards lighter beers is really beginning to uh, pick up some steam. And then I think, Ian, you may be really excited about this one and uh thrillist just did a review of it the first time i've seen it it's called uh slightly mighty it's a brand new low calorie keto friendly ipa from dogfish head i'm definitely gonna try yeah, it we're definitely gonna try i will it. try anything from dogfish head i love mm-hmm. that brewery overall i love their whole philosophy and I'll try anything from them. I don't love everything from them, but I like a lot of their mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love their whole brewery philosophy. So They use, uh, apparently, monk fruit to sweeten the uh, We've the had beer. beers with monk mm-hmm. fruit in it and, before, uh, although uh, I've never had a monk fruit. It's carb, uh, carb-free and calorie-free, which makes this beer, if you're doing the keto, low-carb type diet, uh, makes this beer particularly well-suited for people that are uh, that are trying to watch their carbs. And, so, you know, all this being said at the it. same time, they're starting to introduce these beers, but the big beers aren't going to go away. Mm-hmm. Like, the big beers are still in demand for the, the people like me who love that giant flavor in a beer. Oh, who absolutely. Love love the the you know big amazingness of a oh what do we have here uh, yeah i was just starting to glance now at style. the uh, at the at the beer cam because the beer cam is is uh, proudly displaying the eclipse imperial sound from 5050 brewing and this is uh, uh this is where i'm going we're going to get our cred back after doing the uh, citra double ipa from corsair my tongue is still burning a little bit from that yeah yeah you know what uh, uh, mm, mm. i think i may leave it here for the bands yeah I think I may. Uh, but Ian, I know we've got a, uh, a wax uh, seal on that, so maybe you could get started trying to break that one open, and uh, and we can try some of this beer. I'm I'm very excited to to try the Eclipse. So while we're talking about all these lighter beers, uh, we'll taste the you know the much bigger beer. But I will tell you that this light trend, you're going to see more and more of this. This is going to become a bigger and bigger thing. And now brewmasters, and I love this. See, this is what I love. About the craft beer movement, right? Uh, the first thing was, how can we have beers with more flavor, more taste, more mouthfeel, all those things? How can we get experimental and try these different type of things? And the brewmasters step up. And now that that, that need has, uh, now that there's so many beers out there meeting that need. Well, like the brewmasters else, you get saying, good at it after yeah, a while, right? Absolutely. So now the brewmasters are saying, okay, yeah, we can make a good light beer. I remember, and I don't know if it's even still on the market. I haven't seen it in a while. But Sam Adams did a light beer many years ago, and it wasn't bad for a light beer. You know you what know? I still buy after we had it on the show, by the way? What's that? Is that Sam 76. Sam 76 is good, and it's I hadn't thought of that in a while. Great. Yeah, and that's a, I know it's a low, I don't know what the calories are in it, but I know it's a low ABV. It's a low ABV, and yeah. it's just a good It's a delicious beer, like- yes. 
Yeah, very, very, very good. That might very, be one of my very favorites fun, from them. Very fun, sessionable uh, type of beer. So now, uh, what you're pouring here does not look sessionable this at looks, all. <laughs> this looks a little more like my style today. Yes, I think. Well, it's, there's a reason why I saved this for last. That and the fact that I think it's 13%. But uh, <laughs> You had me at 10, but yeah. you know, 13 is even nicer. Is it 13? Is that what it says? I don't know. Uh, see. I think it says on the front of the, of the bottle there. Turning it around here, it says 11%. 11 oh, okay. Well, uh, I think you might still like 50, it. 50-50 so. 50 Eclipse Imperial Stout brewed with honey. Mm-hmm. That sounds good to me. Uh, and I can smell the honey bar- on the nose, by the way. Aged in oak barrels brewed in Truckee, California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't say anything really about it on the bottle. It's because they're letting the beer do the talking. I'm okay with that Ian, as well. Taste this. I want. I want to know what your comments. Oh my are gosh, on this. it smells amazing. It smells great. You get the honey on the nose. Yeah, honey and honey and that classic malt mm. uh, maltiness. I am very curious to see what you think of this. Oh my goodness, that's delicious. That honey sweetness is so good. It comes and it mixes in with this. Uh, almost gritty coffee vibe, uh, oh, espresso yeah, yeah. vibe at the end, but the honey is mixing in with it, making it slightly sweet. It's like a perfectly sweetened cup of coffee. You know what you get? Yeah. Well, see, and I don't really do. Uh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I don't really do sweet in my coffee, but like a, like a bit of honey has that mm-hmm. aftertaste that is so good right. that just lingers. It doesn't have that overly sugary vibe that you get um, when you put sugar in your coffee. Yeah, but then it has that coffee flavor like that. It's mm-hmm. this is like a Perfect uh, americano, with a with that turbinado sugar almost. Mm. That would be a double espresso shot. Yes, I just learned that's this last yeah, week, by the uh, way. very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, this is really really good. I mean, um, to me, this is now now this is not something I would throw back. There's almost a little peanut butteriness to it. Yes, too. I taste that. Like I a little that. a little bit of that kind of uh, kind of going. This is really really good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm. I am quite impressed. Yeah, this one is uh, outstanding. You know, I honey's one of those funny things. Like we've had beers with honey, and I generally almost, though it's like wheat beer. In fact, the uh, yeah Hefeweizen a lot of times, or even uh, we had uh, um, uh, Spindle Tap in here with their honey yes, hole, the honey hole, yes, uh, which is an ESB with honey, but it's good and it's delicious. And it's funny how honey a relates. Very different taste than this, though. Yes, and it's funny how honey relates to beer because. Sometimes it comes across as as honey, almost like you just you know mm-hmm, open up a, mm-hmm. a jar of honey. Uh, but sometimes it does different things. Like with this, it really has this incredible soothing, um, smoothing creaminess to it that it mm-hmm. adds. And then and then that coffee in the background of this just brings it up. This this feels like I just finished an amazing cup of coffee on the aftertaste. Yes, uh, and the and the whole balance of this is. I can't stop raving about this. Make me stop. Uh, I don't think I want to make you stop. This is really, really a good beer. I'm going for uh, more. We have had uh, a couple of, you know, on last week's show, we had the uh, uh, the Firestone Walker uh, Barley Wine Ale. Mm. Uh, and that was just, as big beers go, one of the best I've ever had. This is totally different from that. This is strong enough but to it's really scour good. the Citra IPA whiskey off of my yes, tongue. Yes, which as well. uh, you know, which I'm I'm gonna say at this point, it's a palate. I cleanser. would also say this beer right here would stand up to that ruination. Mm. That that uh, man of war ruination. That'd be interesting to see. 
I bet for anything stand to stand up, up to the ruination. Would they stand up to a diesel by? Uh, 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 now that's a good question. Because <laughs> uh, those diesels will wreck your palate pretty yeah, hard. Yeah. Or what about the? Uh, what's it called? The chisel from La Flor Dominicana. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a, well, that's a big almost cigar. anything from La Flor Dominicana. Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and let's put it out there. Which is crazy. They don't because, make a lot of light cigars. Well, which is crazy because the first La Flor Dominicanas I smoked were all like Dominican, like mild cigars, yeah. and they were very good at making them. But I love La Flor Dominicana. That has uh, that has mm. gone the way of the dodo for that uh, for great. that company. Uh, speaking of Connecticut, so I wanted to mention this before we wrap up the show. Uh, it was we talked about it a little in the interview with Paul from Height Cigar Lounge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, Connecticut, the new Connecticut from Aladino, uh, Aladino is out. Yes. Uh, I've seen a review of it on the market. We've uh, we've talked about it on the show before. We uh, smoked a number of those when we were down in Honduras, and it's easily my favorite Connecticut that I've ever smoked. It's it's a fantastic. I will be buying a box cigar. ASAP. So and yeah, so looking forward to those uh, getting into all the retail shops. But boy, are they! good yeah and, i mean that was amazing be because that's the cigar, review was very superlative that i read well and that cigar that's a light cigar that's a mild cigar mm-hmm. it's not even really doesn't even go into the medium range it's mm-hmm. like mild and from the middle to the end of mild range um and it is so flavorful maybe more so flavor than i've ever had in a mild cigar good i mean yeah. and it's such good flavor um and it goes well with uh rum because we had yes. many rums while we were in honduras uh, it goes well with food. Mm-hmm. It goes well with so many things. I know coffee. our engineer is over there looking. What's that? Coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah and coffee, coffee especially. Yes. Yeah, the coffee, coffee we had over yep. there was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, and this this cigar, like, that was the first one in the morning every morning. It mm-hmm. was so good. Mm-hmm. You mentioned rum. On next week's show, we'll be live from B&B Butchers and Restaurant on Washington Ave in Houston. And our special guest will be Greg Doxakis. From Plantation Rum. We had Greg on the show, Ian, when you were uh, uh, on, I was on via, via Skype, Skype yeah. from uh, from Tampa. With the weird bug. Yeah, and right, that's right. I remember <laughs> that. We should have just called that episode The Weird the Bug. The Weird Bug. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, hopefully no weird bugs this time. Uh, but Greg will be bringing uh, rums and some other uh, wonderful goodies along with him. And apparently there's a little... Um, Push and pull that I'm not completely aware of between him and uh, Jeremiah uh, from uh, B&B, who will also be on the show. So looking forward to getting the two of them sitting down at the same time, talking rum and talking uh, you awesome. know, uh, spirits and, and whatever else is going on. So I think that's going to be a really fun show uh, next week. And, well, uh, and I really ran into him. I actually met him in person at the uh, Houston Whiskey Social. Yes. And we both recognized each other, but it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw you on video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also cool. on uh, next week's show, The Seven Rules of Cigar Lounge Etiquette, so you can look forward to you know, picking up your cigar lounge etiquette tips, Ian, for next week. As I'm sure, I'm sure you need those. Can we get our uh, can can we get our way Go, out on the beer can? Oh, I think I think we totally should. Yes. What we'll do is you and I will toast behind the beer. Uh, from the, the beer. toast so, behind so the beer. Be, yeah, as as we go out. So thank you guys so much for checking out Smoking and Toasting. This has been show number 136, The Craft Beer Report. Our report is craft beer is in a good place, and we're really excited about it. Uh, and we're excited about the future of craft beer and all of the experimentation. And uh, we're going to toast behind the eclipse. Here, move, move to, there it is. There, now yeah, we see. Move it this way. There right, you go. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, my friends, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next week, cheers. I'm drinking the rest of this. Right. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just. <laughs>